In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. As a kind of Lenten discipline this year, it was recommended by a mentor of mine that I make a list of the top ten people that I found most difficult to love. And I have to say that it, it, was, it was difficult for me to keep it to ten. I, I'm sad to say. I won't review my list with you to protect the names of the innocent, but suffice it to say... I surprised myself by listening to someone from my life many years ago. I go all the way back to my years in Little League Baseball, my coach. You might try making a list like that of yourself after you've had time to give it some serious thought, but don't show it to, to me because I realize quite well I might be on that list. <clears throat> but think about the people that you have difficulty loving and then consider Uh, Those people in light of the verse that we have heard read this morning from John 13, 34, where Jesus said to his disciples, to the budding church, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Anyone ever command you to love someone? A little bit like someone commanding you to be happy. You get a Dear John letter, Frank, just be happy. Sure, good idea. It's like, command someone to love. Can it be done? Jesus just did it. And of all the commandments of our Lord, there's none, I think, so much talked about and so little obeyed. Why is that? Because you and I don't naturally love by command. You and I don't naturally love because it's our duty. We naturally love... By preference, not by command. It was in 1847 that the Danish theologian Soren Kierkegaard wrote what many considered to be his most important work, important writing, Works of Love, in which he unfolds the profound meaning of the kind of love that Jesus commands in John 13 and contrasts it with what he termed as preferential love. And he criticizes preferential love. It's not being bad, but it's bad being so very, very pale by comparison. I almost guarantee you that every funeral eulogy you ever heard in which the speaker is talking about what a loving man the departed was, they were talking about preferential love. How much he loved his family, how much he loved his friends. But this is preferential love. We typically prefer to love family and those others that we find lovable. Think about the way that you love. We naturally love someone because they are, they're blood, kin, or because there's something that we admire and we like, like about them. If you're old enough, you might remember Connie Stevens. You have to go back to the 1960s. She, she played cricket on TV's Hawaiian Eye. <clears throat> She's also a singer who made a record all the way to number three in the top 40 entitled 16 Reasons Why I Love You, The Way You Comb Your Hair, The Way You Smile, The Way You Kiss Goodnight, The Look in Your Eye, 
And those are four of 16 reasons why I love you. And she went on to name the other 12 reasons. Point being, that song is the epitome of preferential love. And the way we love by preference could also be revealed by the way those we find difficult to love. Back to my little league baseball coach. You know who became one of my best friends? Jackie. Jackie was also a member of the little league team who disliked the coach. And the whole community, you see, respected and admired the coach, but not Jack and me. And that became a kind of bond, a glue of our relationship. That's that's the negative side of preferential love. We easily love those who hold the same things to be true because they're flesh and blood, because you find something agreeable about them, because they're beautiful to you in some way, because there's some common appreciation, because you prefer to love them. But preferential love is not what Jesus is talking about. But also, before going any further, let's understand that preferential love is not a bad thing. I don't need to tell you what a wonderful thing it is to love your mother, your spouse, your children, to love people with whom you hold an affinity. But Jesus could say, in fact did say in Matthew 5.47, even heathens love that way. The demand commanded to love here is a call to a higher, more noble love. I was admitting to the aforementioned mentor that was that when when I was in my car in traffic, stopped at a red light, and I see certain and specific socio political ecclesiastical decals of the kind I won't mention on the fender or on the windshield in the car in front of me. Sadly, I immediately have a kind of dislike dislike for the owner of the car. And my mentor said, And Frank, when Jesus looks on you, uh, uh, what does he see? Touche. Because you see, this is the crux of the matter. The simple matter to command others is not new. The command love yourself as your neighbor goes all the way back for centuries to the Mosaic Law. What made Jesus' command here new was that even as I have loved you, the command for me to love simply cannot be separated from Jesus uh, and what he did for me on the cross. I am the sinful man for whom Christ died. And the more I see this truth, the more preferential love will pale by comparison. The more we recognize the depth of our own unworthiness, the more we will recognize the amazing love that the Savior has for us. And for the earliest Christians, the ability, phenomenal ability for those people to love one another hinged on what Christ had done from them, for them personally. And we can look at the stars, we can look at the moon, we can marvel at creation, we can melt before the, before the warm beauty of a newborn child, but all of these wonderful things can't tell us one-tenth of what the fullness of divine love is. He, would, he who would know the fullness of God's love, let him retire to Calvary and see the son of sorrows die. In this passage, John is bringing to climax a theme that 
developed throughout the gospel. In in John's gospel, the ministry of Jesus is controlled by something called the hour, the the very hour, the decisive moment when the cross would be immediately before him. Ten times before we get to the 13th chapter uh, in this gospel, Jesus said, my hour has not yet come. They sought to arrest him. He said, but they could not arrest him because his hour had not been come and then we get to this passage before us right after Judas had gold out and Jesus, Judas, Jesus says now, now the hour is before me, now the son of man is glorified Jesus is telling his disciples goodbye, he's preparing for, for them his departure and he leaves us uh, with this commandment which is even beyond the golden rule which said love others as yourself he leaves them with this commandment and says a new commandment, you love others even as I have loved you Well, the bottom line is that no sooner than we believe that God loves us, as we have been taught since we were children in Sunday school, no sooner do we believe that God loves us, that there is an impulse to believe that he does, not because he is loved, but because there is something intrinsically lovable about ourselves. As John Bunyan said, I thought there was no man in England that pleased God better than I. But Bunyan came to see the profound truth of the matter. As Paul said, Christ died for me, the ungodly. Christ died for me, the enemy. While we were enemies, Christ died for me. Jesus said, whoever has been forgiven much, loves much. Well, let me ask you, how much, is, is Jesus forgiven a lot in you? And is that not a springboard for us loving those troublesome others? Now think again about the names that you might put on your list of people whom you find difficult to love. And then think of them once again in light of this passage, a new commandment I would leave with you, that you command them just like, that you love them just like I have loved you. Jesus is simply calling us to take the love that he has given us and give it to those people on the list. And remember this, before I sign off, there's one more important thing. Now, we, the command of love, whether I command you to love your enemies or whether Jesus commands you to love, won't, won't amount to a dime's worth of difference. But we have to remember this, that even in our failures to live up to this commandment, he loves us still. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. May God draw reluctant hearts and now give doubting souls courage to believe this. For Jesus' sake, amen.